We have the first portal entrant from BYU Spring Camp 2023. Why Dean Jones won't be the last to enter the portal this spring. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys making it a part of your routine, no matter when you check it out and or watch it. Uh, let's start off today's show by reminding you guys that we are proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network. The motto is your team every day, and as such, we are your only Daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. All right, um, some minor news uh, in the BYU sports universe yesterday came out when Dean Jones, a reserve safety for BYU's defense, announced that he'll be entering his name into the NCAA transfer portal coming up later this week when the portal window officially opens for the spring period. As a reminder, the portal window will open on April 15th. That will run through May 1st. There's about a 15-day window there uh, for players to enter the name into the portal, and Dean Jones will be the first from BYU. BYU Spring Ball. But let me also add this. He will not be the last to enter the portal from BYU Spring Camp. Why? Well, here's the thing. There are guys who are going through Spring Ball right now really uh, trying to prove themselves to guys like Jay Hill, especially on the defensive side of the football for BYU. And if they feel like their situation is not to their liking at the end of this Spring Ball, well, it's time to look elsewhere probably and see if you can find a better opportunity for yourself. In the case of Dean Jones, he was a bit player for BYU if I'm speaking honestly. He saw action in just three games, had one tackle this past year against Utah Tech, according to the official stats from BYU, and uh, a guy that I was uh, I was interested to see how he was going to develop. Now, some of you might know his background. He is from Arizona, uh, had come out of the American Leadership Academy, a high school program, which is obviously he- the head coach is now uh, Ty Detmer, former rodeo star who had not played a lot of football growing up, but when he took the field in high school, really was a sensation, and BYU is betting on his upside as a guy to come Come in and develop over time and see what he's capable of doing. Other players had passed him by or were in front of him on the depth chart, and it appears that he is uh, going to seek his fortune elsewhere. And that's that's not a bad thing because the staff that he was recruited under, speaking mainly of Ed Lamb as well as Preston Hadley, the two guys who would have coached him and or recruited him at safety for BYU, are now both at Northern Colorado. That'd be a very easy place to see him land, but also considering he's from Arizona, maybe somewhere down in southern Utah, maybe even a program like Northern Arizona. If he decides to drop down to the FCS level, might be uh, better suited to his skill set. Now, there could be, I guess, a a residual effect with regards to Dean Jones leaving the program is that his younger brother, Brooks Jones, who is a defensive lineman the BYU signed in their 2022 recruiting class, he is currently serving a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And with his big brother leaving the program, what does that mean for a guy like Brooks Jones? Similar to Dean, Brooks is considered to be more of a project, a guy that BYU is betting on bringing in and developing. And in the that was more under the previous regime on the defensive side of the football 
when it came to Ed Lamb, he would uh, take guys he thought like the height, weight, speed combo, athleticism. He would bet on athletes and being able to develop them as football players and have that payoff down the road. And that's uh, very much what the Dean Jones slash especially Brooks Jones situation is. But uh, I would could see both of them potentially going no- to Northern Colorado and that being a good pickup for a program like the Bears, obviously under Ed Lamb as their new head coach and their new defensive coordinator, Preston Hadley. But let me get back to the original point is that Dean Jones is the first of what I expect to probably be multiple guys entering the portal. I'm always wary of trying to guess on the number of guys going into the portal. I've reported this in the past on the podcast, though, but I have been told that BYU is seeking upwards of at least six, potentially eight, and I could see even more than that in terms of additions to the roster during the spring portal period. So if you're going to balance out the numbers, you probably need to have like number of guys leaving the program in order to bring guys in. So we'll see what ultimately pans out, but don't be surprised if Dean Jones is not the last play. Do excuse me. Do be surprised if Dean Jones is the last player from BYU spring camp to enter the transfer portal because it's just it's very much a glaring need right now for BYU on their roster to go out and upgrade it, especially on the defensive side of the football top to bottom. Dean Jones was not factoring to BYU's too deep. So in the reality of things, he's not a huge loss in terms of a guy you're not losing that you were expecting to have on the roster going into this season, but you'd do need to upgrade this roster. Defensive line, linebacker, and in the secondary all need upgrades on the defensive side of the football if those guys can be found in the portal. On the offensive side of the ball, it's still very much the most glaring need offensively is wide receivers. They need to get some more wide receivers in the mix. Now, they've had a couple of wide receivers get injuries this spring. I'm, I'll am i hold off on naming names, but uh, I, one's already been reported. I guess I, I can say that one is... Um, uh, uh, Kid from Roy, Parker Kingston. Uh, Parker has a broken hand that cost him most of spring camp, but the hope is he'll be healed up in a relatively near future and get right back to working out with the team. But some other guys have been dinged up in practice, and it's just shown more of a glaring need for BYU to bring in guys via the portal at wide receiver. Now, there are other guys who have been injured. None of them are considered to be long-term injuries. They're just expected to miss the rest of spring ball, which in reality, there's only two more practices. At Friday, it's done. That's the thing about this. Spring ball is at, at its end, but... Anybody who's injured right now, they are out for the rest of spring. And none of the top wide receivers, speaking of Cody Epps, Chase Roberts, and or Keanu Hill, have been dinged up to my knowledge. They may have a bumper bruise here and there, but they are expected to roll into the summer and obviously uh, be the top targets for a guy like Keaton Slovis going into this season. But expect change on BYU's roster and expect change across the sport. We just saw a report. We're going to talk about BYU and and basketball in the transfer portal here in a little bit on today's show. Another uh, topic we need to hit on because some news in terms of guys where they're seeing BYU etc we'll get to that but 20% of college basketball players across the sport there's more than 350 teams in division one basketball alone so our report yesterday from on three saying that 20% one in five players from the college basketball realm has entered the transfer portal is that number just as high in college football well with more players on rosters up to 123 per FBS roster and across 133 FBS teams that's a pretty high number of players, but there's a ton of turnover and expect to have more of it happening this spring. It's going to give an opportunity for BYU to go out and add some pieces, but it may cost them some pieces as well. But in the case of a guy like Dean Jones, he wasn't factoring into your plans, like I said, and you're too deep right now. So it's not necessarily the, the worst that could happen when it comes to the transfer portal, but do expect to continue to track this. There is still going to be many names that'll pop up between now and the rest of this summer, really, it feels like, of guys BYU may 
have rumored interest in and or interest in signing, and we'll see where it ultimately pans out. But I will say once again, expect at least six. I've heard as many as eight, and who knows? Uh, it could go to 10 or even more transfer portal additions to this roster as BYU tries to make it as as formidable a roster as they possibly can make it going into the Big 12. They know that they need an influx of talent into this roster to hold up better against the rigors of a Power 5 schedule, and I would fully expect them to be very active in this portal period once again that opens up later this week. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we'll flip gears a little bit. An interesting uh, note out out with regards to the Pac-12 and their media rights deal, and one that involves directly, according to a report, a potential flip from the Pac-12 to the Big 12. I guess we'll call this like the Pac-12 Media Rights Tuesday update. Uh, It's kind of when I've been talking about this lately on the podcast. We'll get to those here in just a moment. First, a word on our friends over at FanDuel. Of course, grand slams, no hitters, and double plays are back, my friends. It is baseball season. There's no better place to get in on the MLB action than with FanDuel. It's America's number one sports book. That's because right now, new customers are getting a new, uh, excuse me, are getting a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000 back. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up now, place your first bet, and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Uh, you could bet on anything, player, individual, performances. Let's say you want a guy like Mike Trout. You think he's going to hit a home run in a game? You can bet on that. Same thing with Shohei Otani. No matter who you're interested on that side, you also can go money line spread, all the different things with regards to teams. If your favorite team out there, you feel you've got a good feeling about them, you have the opportunity to get in on all that action. So don't miss out on your chance to get your no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000 right now, my friends, when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up now. That's FanDuel, an official partner of Major League Baseball. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Cannot thank you guys enough for your support of the podcast. Uh, just a quick request for you guys. If you have not done so already, please make sure to leave a rating and review, especially if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts. But no matter where you're listening from, if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, I'm pointing down right here. Make sure you hit that uh, su- subscribe or follow uh, button as well as hitting that bell that will enable notifications to let you know when new episodes drop. Uh, your guys' support is critical to the overall success and health of this podcast podcast and you guys have been great trust me we've got thousands of you on both our traditional podcast feeds out there as well as youtube but want to make this even more uh, my wife was joking with me the other day about how big do you want to grow this thing i said well uh i would like to grow it to be the same size as the capacity in lavelle edwards stadium which is what sixty-three thousand and change and she kind of chuckled she's like well he's got a ways to go there but uh we're working our way towards it so thank you for your support of the podcast and like i said please leave us those ratings and reviews and also uh, just kind of a, a side note as well Share it with your family and friends. If you're talking BYU sports with somebody, make sure to tell them, hey, there's this really cool podcast out there you should check out. It's a daily podcast covering all the BYU news that anybody could uh, really need and or want. All right, uh, so as I mentioned, let's talk a little bit about what's going on with the Pac-12 and the Big 12. Now, uh, I, I've, I, I talk about this from time to time. I was really hot and heavy on it when it felt like a lot of the reports were coming. They've slowed down to a degree, but we are still waiting uh, for the Pac-12. And all of these apologists, as I call them, that cover the Pac-12 on a very close basis are saying, well, I've been reporting that they were going to push back to the summer. No, you guys said it was going to happen in March. Then you said it might be happening in early April after March Madness got over. Now it's being pushed back to June or July. You know what? If it's going to be announced at Pac-12 media days, that's great. So be it. But there are reports out there from people who I think are very, very much in the know on this type of stuff. But 
and like I said, as I've said it often, take this all with a grain of salt because it changes literally day to day and in some cases, minute to minute, if not hour by hour. But Andrew Marchand from the New York Post who covers sports media and is one of the foremost authorities, he's got contacts in ESPN, Fox, like he's talking to people in Bristol, etc. about what's going on in college athletics. But he wrote this in his most recent article. This was posted yesterday on Monday. Uh, He reported that Colorado is a candidate to defect from the Pac-12 and join the Big 12. Says, quote, we will add this to the conversation around potential defections from the Pac-12 to the Big 12, uh, colon, watch Colorado. That's interesting to me because Colorado is a former member of the Big 8 and the Big 12. They were one of the founding members of that conference. They left the conference, obviously, back when Utah and Colorado uh, joined the Big uh, joined the Pac-12 and have been a member there ever since. Could there be some wanting for them to go home? Uh, who knows? But it's interesting to hear from a guy like Andrew Marshan because, like I said, Marshan is a guy who covers sports media for a living. He's not covering the, the sport of college football itself. He covers the media, especially sports media. So he's talking with decision makers at ESPN, Fox, uh, NBC. Uh, you can involve whatever other sports entities out there. He's talking to those people when they're looking at the business of sports and the ratings and how they're going to program that type of stuff. It's very interesting to hear him say, watch Colorado, because we have heard for many, many months now that Arizona was maybe the most likely or the most, I guess, notable uh, program in the Pac-12 to be listening to Big 12 overtures. Uh, The reports out of Wildcat Authority there, Jason Shear down there uh, covering it for 24-7 sports has said that uh, uh, President Robbins, Robert, is it Robert Robbins? Yeah, Robert Robbins has met with uh, the Pac, has met with Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark. He has made that report. So there are presidents of the Pac-12 listening to the Big 12 overtures. Now, there would be some people like John Canzano out there who would say, well, for all the bluster, blah, 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 you might have Brett Yormark actually deliver something. Well, what has Brett Yormark delivered, folks? He has delivered a media rights deal that the Pac-12 wishes they had right now. Let's be honest. The Pac-12 will have nothing more than to have their secure future, uh, their, their future secured like the Big 12 did. Brett Yormark saw the writing on the wall, swooped in, and scooped up what he could get at the time and leave, left the Pac-12 saying, huh, Oh, that, that that was our thing. No, it wasn't. You guys sat on your hands, thought you were too big to like too big to fail, I guess, in a way to use that term from way back in the in the 08 recession. Many of you recall that or the Enron uh, saga. But the the thing about this is is that the Pac-12, they have got some members who are looking at options. Does that mean they're going to jump right away? No. It doesn't mean they're going to jump at all. No, it doesn't mean that either. But they are listening to the overtures, it sounds like. Now, there was another report out there with regards to what's going on uh, with uh, the, the Pac-12 and the Big 12 is that John Orand uh, from uh, from uh, the, uh, what is it? the Sports Business Journal said this, quote, the last week, uh, the Athletic reported that the CW had emerged as a new potential partner for the Pac-12. This is in the Sports Business Journal once again. Sources told me, uh, speaking of John Oran, that CW reps did hold initial talks with the conference, but those talks never got serious. The Pac-12 expects to wind up with deals that combine tra- traditional TV with streaming, but there's little chance that the CW will end up with those rights, sources said, unquote. So the CW is out. So is it back to ION now for the Pac-12? What are they going to do? Are they going to stick with ESPN and go all in, hopefully, with Apple and or Amazon? It sure looks that way. But let me go back to my original point. There are a lot of people out there who are saying that the the Big 12, some people said that they lowballed the Pac-12. No, they didn't. 
Brett Yormark really is a guy who, similar to people uh, that are in the sports business side of things, he has worked as an agent. He's worked with multiple pro uh, pro uh, leagues, NASCAR most notably. He worked for the Brooklyn Nets. He understands the business of sports, and he kind of read the room, realized, you know what, we need to get out there and secure our, our our future here as the Big 12 Conference. And obviously, he made that move. The Pac-12 has now been left floundering, and as these reports continue to emerge, and they continue to uh, move the goalposts and say, well, the the, the meteorites. It's, it's going to be done in a couple of weeks. Well, it's done imminently. No, it's not. And that's the thing about the, the Pac-12. They can continue to bluster, as John Canzano said about Brett Yormark, but in reality, the bluster is coming from the Pac-12 side of things, whereas the Big 12 has actually delivered on some things. That That's the big difference right now. Would I like to see Colorado in the Big 12? Yeah, I'd love to see Colorado in the Big 12. I'd love to see Arizona as well because I think those would be very welcome additions and would help BYU in terms of not having to be the late-night outpost for the Big 12 out here in the Mountain Time Zone. But at the same time, they also do want to get to the West Coast. Does Brett Yormark just make another push, swoop in and scoop up San Diego State? Only time will tell, but if I'm if I was advising Brett Yormark, that's the program I'd be targeting because San Diego State is very eager to get to the Power Five ranks. Can you go out and snag them? Now, the way I understand it is the pro rata clause, which obviously would expand the media rights money to uh, bring in a member. It only expands in the case of a Power Five uh, program joining the Big Twelve, so that would be like Colorado and Arizona. It would not count for San Diego State, but could you carve something up or at least find a way to get San Diego State into the fold and? scoop them up right out from underneath the Pac-12's nose. I'd be interested in that just personally, and we'll see what happens. But I, I, I By the way, I always welcome your guys' feedback. I'm, I'm an open book. I always appreciate you guys' comments. I know that I don't necessarily make the, the points that you want made all the time on the podcast, but I'm here to share information as well as my opinion on the matter. So if you guys have feedback on this, what you would like to see pan out with regards to the Pac-12, would you like to see them stand pat, speaking of the Big 12, and just leave it as it should? Are you like me? Would you like to see them go scoop up San Diego State and just kind of spite the Pac-12 once again? Or do you want them to go out there and get the so-called four-corner school? Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah, and make yourself into a 16-team league. I'd like to hear your guys' feedback. Have, have your Has your mind changed since the original reporting on all of this that we've been tracking seemingly uh, week by week here on the podcast as well as nationally and all the different publications out there? Have your thoughts changed? Has your feelings changed on what you'd like to see ultimately pan out? I'd like to hear from you guys. So reach out via social media, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Uh, search out Locked On Cougars. Drop us a note there. I'm at Jacob C. Hatch. You can see it on YouTube right here. If you want to drop me a note or a DM, my DMs are open on Twitter. Always appreciate hearing from you guys or email the show, lockedonbyu at gmail.com. And we'll continue to track this. Like I said, I kind of do like a once a week kind of roundup of the different news. And I felt like today was a good day to launch into it with both of those reports coming from the New York Post as well as the Sports Business Journal. All right. We will round out today's show with a look at what's going on in the transfer portal for BYU basketball. Uh, We have some new reports about uh, guys that have visited BYU, might be visiting BYU as well as another look back at another game in the 2015 season as our look back at all 155 BYU football games from their independent era rolls on. We'll get to all that momentarily as we continue on right here on Locked on Cougars. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Can't thank you guys enough once again for supporting the show. All right, a couple of notes before we go on today's show is congratulations to uh, uh, freshman Haley Morrow from the BYU softball program. She was named West Coast Conference Player of the Week for this past week. She finished the week with a 444 batting average, tying for a team high in BYU series sweep at Santa Clara. Unfortunately, her hot hitting could not help BYU get past number 24 Utah last night. They lost 6-4 to uh, to their rival down there at Gale Miller Field. Uh, they 
will be back in action tonight, actually, hosting UVU at Gale Miller Field. Uh, first pitch at that one is set for 6 p.m. If you want to tune into that, uh, should be an opportunity to watch BYU uh, face another rival uh, two nights in a row. It will be streamed on the BYU TV app if you want to tune in that way and watch BYU do battle uh, with UVU in softball. Also, BYU baseball is going to be in action uh, tonight as well, if I can find the, the, the correct information here. Apologies, I should have had that up originally. Yeah, they're hosting Utah Tech at Miller Park, and that's at 6 o'clock as well. So the funny thing about this is if you buy a ticket to BYU baseball, you actually get a, a free ticket, essentially. It's always free to go to BYU softball, but you can go cover or watch both games, uh, at least parts of them. If you want to do that, once again, BYU Baseball hosting Utah Tech at Miller Park. That's on the BYU TV app and also BYU Radio if you want to tune into that. All right, uh, news on the BYU transfer portal front. Uh, we talked about return missionary Dawson Baker yesterday on the podcast. He is a guy who averaged 15.7 points this past season as an all-Big West honoree from UC Irvine. He's got uh, multiple years to remaining. I believe he's got at least two years of eligibility remaining. According to a report from the Portal Report on Twitter, uh, said that Dawson Baker has said he's considering four schools at this time. It should not surprise you uh, for this guy. Utah, BYU, Boise State, and Utah State are the four he's considering. Now, Baker, like I mentioned, is a return missionary, so none of those four schools is all that big of a surprise to me. They have large LDS populations in each one of those. Obviously, three of them in state here in the state of Utah. And BYU, I think, would do well to add Baker if he is interested in coming into the program. But the way I'm kind of reading things and in talking with some people around the program, Baker is not necessarily option number one for BYU. Option number one right now still very much is Stephen Ashworth from Utah State as it should be. Ashworth, a first-team All-Mountain West Conference honoree, high shooting numbers, has proven he can take over a game as a scorer and a facilitator for the Aggies this past year. He is option or priority number one for BYU in basketball. Does that make uh, Dawson Baker number two? I don't know, but I just know that he's not number one on this list. So I think the, the biggest domino that has to fall is ultimately what you're going to see from uh, Stephen Ashworth's camp. Now, according to what I read in Vanquish the Foe, and Robbie McCombs is on this as much as anybody does a great job breaking things down, he thinks it's come down to Creighton and BYU with regards uh, to the Stephen Ashworth sweepstakes. Uh, I'm interested to see if and how much NIL might play a, a role in this. Obviously, can BYU... Uh, out offer in a way what Creighton has been offering. Now Creighton's got a really really nice NIL set up uh, according to what I understand. The Blue Jays have done a great job building that up. It'll be an interesting race to see if if BYU can win out on that because Stephen Ashworth to me like I said I the way I've been told is BYU prioritizes his number one and as he should be. Now according to also what uh, Robbie said Ali Khalifa had a great visit to BYU. Now uh, it's been down essentially to, based on the reporting what I also had heard is that it's Florida or BYU for Ali Khalifa Khalifa, the big man transfer from Charlotte. Now, with regards to Khalifa, uh, you might remember, if you're, if you're a Utah Jazz fan, some of you might remember the name Ben Hanlogton. Uh, he was obviously a big man for the Utah Jazz, had his career cut short due to injuries, that type of stuff. But his son actually just committed to Florida. And there was some thought that that decision, because his son is also a big man similar to Khalifa, joining the Florida Gators, may push Ali Khalifa towards BYU. According to what Robbie uh, McCombs was saying in Vanquish the Foe, there was one other big man, uh, Tyrese, uh, oh, if I got the name here, let me get make sure I get it right, uh, if I can find it. Uh, geez. Uh, Tyrese Samuel from Seton Hall. Apparently it's between Florida and Wake Forest for Samuel. If he picks uh, Florida, that probably makes it, like, it's Khalifa is 
BYU's to lose. So keep an eye on that. It'd be interesting to see where that ultimately pans out. According to Robbie says, Ali Khalifa is expected to visit Florida this week, but I think he would be priority number two for BYU because, like I said, they, they've been really prioritizing trying to get a big man as well as a score-first guard who can really facilitate the offense, and Khalifa is the big man. Truthfully, he is that big man that could really, really be a nice piece for BYU to build around with multiple years of eligibility remaining. I believe up to three if he chooses to use that, as well as Stephen Ashworth, who's got at least two years of eligibility remaining as well. So both of them can build with BYU's current program. Now, I was also expecting yesterday, based on a conversation I had over the weekend, to see another member of the BYU basketball program enter the transfer portal. Does that mean it's not going to happen? No, but I expect there will be another move, a guy announcing he's leaving the program, opening up one additional roster spot at least least for BYU, and that is where I think the conversation, like I said, around Dawson Baker versus Trey Tennyson, the guy from Texas A&M Corpus Christi, comes into the mix. Both of them are wing players, averaged double-digit points, 15-plus points at their respective programs this past year. They would be the score-first wing to bring the offensive punch BYU feels like they need on the wing going into the Big 12 Conference. So if you're looking at the priorities of how things are kind of breaking down for BYU, I think it's Stephen Ashworth, Ali Khalifa, and then from there it goes to the Dawson Baker versus Trey Tennyson. Uh, debate back and forth, and those are probably the top priorities for BYU. Joe Girard, a guy, the a guy from Syracuse, from Glens Falls, New York. Obviously, the Jimmer connection. He is still on that list, but he's only got the one year of eligibility. So, if you were to give me an option of, you can have Stephen Ashworth or Joe, or Joe Girard. Which one do you want? I'm taking Stephen Ashworth every day and twice on Sundays. I think he's got more time on his side with regards uh, to his upside as a player, and additionally, he is a guy who's in state. We've seen him; he's a proven option, and he is proven that he can take over a game and just understands what BYU is all about. So uh, I, I am interested to see where it ultimately lands, but BYU is doing work, my friends. Uh, trust me, the BYU basketball program, they're not standing idly by and just kind of letting things pan out. They are being proactive and doing their absolute best to find the best options for their program as they get ready for the Big 12, their first season in the Big 12 upcoming. All right, final note before we go on today's show is a look back at yet another game in BYU's 155 games in their program history. Now, BYU, we talked uh, yesterday about the bounce back win they had over UConn in the 2015 season. They come off uh, tough back-to-back losses, a shutout loss to Michigan were not feeling very good about themselves, but bounced back with a very nice game against UConn. But then East Carolina uh, came to Provo, and this game, BYU raced out to a pretty decent lead. It was a uh, 28-21 at halftime, so a pretty high-scoring first half between the Pirates and the Cougars. In the third quarter, it felt like BYU was taking over the game and was like, okay, well, they're going to cruise to a victory here. Well, it did not pan out that way because in the fourth quarter, fourth quarter, East Carolina scored 17 unanswered points, and some of you might remember this game. It was a really, really entertaining game in the end. And BYU uh, it was a tie game at 38-all after East Carolina made a field goal with just about four minutes to go in the game. Well, what does BYU do? They did not crumble. They actually responded in very nice fashion. Tanner Mangum rallied the troops. Uh, they drove 75 yards on 10 plays as Algernon Brown plunged in from nine yards out to make it 45-38 to and BYU gets the victory. He scored with it was a, just it was like nine seconds left. Yeah, no, oh, 19 seconds left in the game on that nine-yard run. As I mentioned, it was Algie's uh, tr- uh, third touchdown of the game. He ended up leading the Cougars with 24 carries for 134 yards. Uh, Tanner Mangum had a very nice night passing the ball. 24 of 33 for 332 yards and three touchdowns. So it was a great game all the way around uh, for BYU in this one. And it got them on a roll. Because as we're going to talk about here in the 2015 season, that Michigan game in many ways had BYU fans feeling really, really down on the program. But the Cougars, to their credit as a program, did not get down on themselves. Now, this around this time in uh, the 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 
the season because this was October 10th was the game against East Carolina. So it's midway through the season. You're four and two. Uh, I actually remember I was covering uh, BYU at this time. I was working uh, for the KSL Sports Zone, which is then the Zone Sports Network with DJ and PK. And during this period, there was so much talk, and maybe you will recall this, is that, well, what is it? They win two more games. They're going to beat up on, uh, like, they had Cincinnati, and uh, who else did they have here? They had, oh, San Jose State. They also had Wagner in that mix. Okay, they're going to a bowl game. Well, where are they really going to play? And that was the big question mark as of where BYU might land in the bowl season. But the nice part was, despite the program being down, and obviously Bronco Mendenhall become more outspoken in, in the offseason leading up to this season about how he felt that uh, independence was not sustainable, all that type of stuff, there was a really uh, just kind of a sour note, kind of a pall cast over this program. But it felt like as this uh, stretch of the season, like I said, they start off with a win over UConn. They win this game over East Carolina. They started to get a little bit of a run here, and it felt like some of the good feelings were coming back into the program. But little did we know, as the season progressed, well, things are very much going to change for BYU, and we will talk about uh, what ultimately panned out uh, here on tomorrow's podcast. We'll talk about a a game against Cincinnati, and like I said, we'll continue to uh, progress through this because the rest of the season, BYU only lost once down the stretch of this season, but it pretended some major changes in the program that we will talk about in detail in coming podcasts. All right, that's going to do it. A big thank you once again for your support of the podcast. As always, you guys are absolutely phenomenal out there. Thank you uh, for supporting the show. Hope you're enjoying the weather here along the Wasatch Front. It was in the mid-70s yesterday. Supposed to be in the high 70s today. Get out and enjoy that weather. Uh, Take us on your walk. If you're golfing, do whatever you're doing. Thank you for making us your first listen. Thank you for checking out the podcast. Make your second listen. Our friends over at the Locked On Big 12 podcast now. Get caught up on everything going on in the Big 12 conference. BYU's future home as a Power 5 member. Get that available on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Until tomorrow, my friends, have a great rest of your day. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast. See ya.